You bring your Bibles? You're going to, we're going through it today, so you're going to have to be quick. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the usher will bring you one. Just raise your hand. You're going to find out how uh, you move around in the Word today. Amen? Because yeah. there's some things that we need to explain that's going to take other references, and it's going to be important for you to understand, because we're living in the times. Living in good times. <laughs> Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good to see you here this morning. Uh-huh. Um, we are continuing in our study. We're in First Peter. We've been in First Peter for several weeks now. Um, we left off last week. We, we went through a good portion of chapter 3, but we left off verses 19 to 22. And uh, we titled this message, Who Are the Spirits in Prison? And that's what these verses from 19 to 22 are about. And actually, verses 19 to 22 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter um, are considered some of the more perplexing verses to understand in the New Testament as far as their meaning goes and how to, you know, interpret them. And these verses have been studied and debated by Bible scholars um, over the years and there's really no final thought and agreement on it. And honestly, to tell you the truth, we were tempted to just skip these verses. We thought, well, most of the time when people read these verses, they probably go say to themselves, I'm not really sure what that means. But you just keep going, you know. It's like, well, I'm sure it has some meaning and some Bible scholar somewhere understands it. Um, but then we were looking at chapter 4, and chapter 4 also, in verse 6, difficult. has another kind of perplexing verse and thought, well, we just, we can't do this, right, Lord? Like, we shouldn't just skip over because something right. is more difficult to understand. And um, I believe the people at Community Life Church are sharp. They have the yeah. mind of Christ, and they're going to be able to experience right. the truth of this. So I think you're going to find um, some interesting information and revelation today about these verses that are actually very helpful and applicable in your life. Uh, Because sometimes you think, well, I don't know, I don't understand that, that's just a bunch of Bible information, doesn't mean no good. (laughs) As we search through, I mean, you can sometimes read, sometimes when I read in the Old Testament, some of these genealogies and stories and it's like ay 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 you know like I got lost in the names and the places <laughs> and the who's anyways um, we asked the Holy Spirit to help us as we dug around and looked at commentaries and prayed and looked at the verses ourselves and to, to dig deeper into its meaning and again I, I believe that you're going to find it interesting if you open up your heart yeah. which we we're going to pray before we begin. And you really should pray before you approach the Word of God. I mean, we need help from the Holy Spirit to unveil truth to us. Come on. We cannot yeah. understand it all, like what Pastor Steve was saying after worship, with just our natural mind. Yeah, you can read the words and you can get some meaning out of it. But these are living words, and you have to approach it by faith. Yes. So when we open up the Word of God, as we are going to do today, let's, we're going to pray first. And we're going to come to the Father. So, Father, we uh, come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this holy written word that we have in our hands, that we could look at it, read it. And we ask you, Lord, by the help of the Holy Spirit, 
to unveil the truth in these verses, particularly that we're going to look at this morning. And Lord, we don't want our thoughts. We tell you that yes. you know, we, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. And so we're willing to cast and put away our thoughts. We, we want your higher thoughts. Your word says we've been given the mind of Christ. And so we know by the help of you, Holy Spirit, we can understand yes. deeper. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go through uh, these scriptures, this is not just information. I pray you make it revelation for each one of us, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And that we it would actually help us to live our life, you know, actively live our life in a way f- uh, better for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen. So again, the title to the message today is Who Are the spirits in prison. And so if you have your Bible or you have your electronic device, it's 1 Peter 3. We're going to start in verse 18. And you might want to hold your finger there or put a marker there because we'll, we'll be dancing through the Bible and then we'll go back to 1 Peter. Yeah. Let's dance. Let's go for it. All right. For Christ, it says in verse 18, also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Verse 19, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father, right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him? Yes, glory to God. Praise you, Lord, for that. So verse 19, and actually verse 21, we're going to explain a little bit of that too, but verse 19 is that difficult passage uh, to understand the meaning. I mean, first of all, Scripture is starting out, it's talking about what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. He suffered for our sins that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay, we can... We can understand some of that. But then it says, and let's put up verse 19 up on the screen. This is the one, verse 19, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison because they formerly didn't obey. And it goes on. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. That's good. (laughs) So who are... The spirits in prison who did not obey, and this is referring to Noah's day. Yep. All right? And what did he preach to them? Have you ever read these verses and stopped and thought about it? I mean, if you've read the Bible and you've come to this, you had to have stopped and thought, wait, what? Who are spirits in prison? Mm Mm-hmm. Are these people? Are these who are who are these spirits in prison? And again, the meaning of these verses has 
there's a lot of commentary on it. Yep. If you want to go look at it, you can... What we discovered was there are three or four main ways that people have thought that this is an explanation for the meaning of, of the spirits in prison. Um, but we're going to just, we're not going to go through what they were, but we're just going right. to tell you the one that we felt like made witness, bear, bore witness to our heart. It was like, yeah, this makes the most sense. And even then, the and Lord then began to bring scriptures yeah. to our own heart. Established it more with us. Yeah, and that's one really good way to interpret the Bible, is let, the, let scripture interpret scripture. Yeah. You should find other scripture that bears witness. If you just find one thing and you go, I think that means this, well, you may be really off if the rest of the Bible doesn't have scripture that bears witness to that truth. And so we want to talk, we're going to begin to talk about the spirits in prison. Let's let's find out who they are. (laughs) So this whole passage is talking about uh, and referencing uh, Noah's day. Noah's day and when he was building the ark. So hold your finger there. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And the question is like, well, why was Noah building an ark anyhow? Uh, And so what do we know about that day? Because it's important for us to understand these things. Because it helps us understand our life now and what the opposition we're up against. And understanding that there is a true spiritual realm that we need to understand and function in. Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to start off in verse 5. And this is why Noah was building the ark. Uh, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. So the question is, how did the wickedness become so great? That's the real question. Increasing well it it came not only because of human sin it's because in Genesis chapter 6 we'll go up to verse 1 we're going to find great insight and what else was taking place that caused this grievous sin that God would flood the whole world verse 1 through 4 when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them The sons of God saw the daughters of men were fair, and they took wives and all that they desired and chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not forever dwell and strive with man, for he is also flesh, but his days shall yet be 120. Verse 4. There were giants. Nephilim is what they're called. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, let's look at verse 2. The sons of God. 
We have this on PowerPoint. Yeah. yeah. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair and they took wives of all they desired and chose. Now look at verse 4. There were giants, Nephilim, on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men and they bore children to them. So we could read that statement, sons of God, because in the New Testament, we're called sons of God. So we, we could just assume that this was, oh, some godly men, and they're, they're having all these re- relations with, uh, and they think that they were return, just speaking of men. They're not. And they're bearing children. They're yeah, having, they're bearing they're, children. They're bearing. The Nephilim, they were giants. And, uh, you know, they don't start, I mean, look at this obvious point that he's starting off with. He's saying, now in the days... When the sons of God, sons of God, they're not referring to human beings. They're, they're, that's not the case. You know, the scholarly research and just studying the Bible itself will bring you to the understanding in the Old Testament when they were speaking about sons of God, they're speaking about fallen angels, fallen angels. Sons of God. Now, how do I know that? Because in Job chapter 1, if you want to turn there, keep your fingers there. You're going to have use all your fingers today. <laughs> Job chapter 1. Yes, and this is something that we got to understand and know. We have to know this because we can avoid a lot of trouble. And we can see what causes trouble. And we can avoid it. Because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. But you don't know that unless you investigate this book. And you actually can't even operate in the power that God has given you without knowing this book. Job chapter 1, verse 6. So who were these spirits in prison? Yeah. Now there was a day when the sons of God... Okay, sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. This is not talking about a human being standing in front of God. He's not. These are angels, and we know Satan is a fallen angel. You know, we we know from Scripture that uh, angels have great power, and they do have, uh, they're stronger than us, they're more intelligent than us, Uh, But, you know, if you know who you are in Christ, you have authority over them. But these are fallen angels. Originally, they were given the power and the wisdom to fulfill God's purpose. You understand? And we also know from Scripture that there was a ringleader that took one-third of the angels that rebelled against God. Satan. His name was Lucifer, and after he fell, his name is Satan. His name is Satan. So Satan had planned this insurrection against God because he desired to raise himself up above God, and he was telling these angels, and he is convinced that he is a more supreme being than God himself, even though he's a created being by God. This This is crazy. This is crazy, but we're going to find out a glimpse of of who this guy is 
in Isaiah 14. Yeah, now we have to turn there. Isaiah 14. We're going to find some great things out today. Keep going forward in your Bible towards the New Testament, but it's just a little bit, a few books over. Isaiah 14. There are a couple passages in Scripture that help us understand the be- the reason. Satan's fall or yeah. Lucifer's fall because um, he was an angel. A very powerful, powerful angel. angel. Walk closely with God. These are the couple of the passages in Scripture we want to show you where this is. We get a glimpse of his fall, really, in Isaiah 14. And in Isaiah 14, as we read this, it's a double reference to both a, a wicked, earthly Babylonian king. Yeah who had a mindset to, uh, to be a, glo- a glorious ruler and have a glorious throne and have the whole wor- known world worship him, basically, bow down to him. And it's also a double reference to, really, Satan, who was also occupying in the heavenlies and with a desire yep. also to have a great throne that would rise above God. I believe Satan was the one who was inspiring the mind of this wicked king. But this is a prophetic word. I mean, Isaiah is prophesying both, both of these, the, yep. the, the earthly one and the spirit. the spirit one, will fall under the judgment of God and come to their end because of pride and wickedness. So in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, Son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Mm. Verse 15, but you are brought down to Sheol or to hell, to the innermost recesses of the pit. Hallelujah. Now, just to understand, you know, why we say Lucifer and then we say Satan, some translations of that verse 12 that say, O day star or son of dawn, some translations will say, O Lucifer, son of the morning. And it's coming from an early translation, the Latin Vulgate. Right. I mean, this was originally written in Hebrew, and then the Roman Pope early on in a couple centuries after A.D., you know, after the resurrection of Christ, 200 A.D., yep. yeah, had uh, St. Jerome, he was right, he wrote the Latin Vulgate version. And the word, the, the Hebrew expression of that word is like, if, if it would say, O day star, son of dawn, is like of a light bringer or a shining one. Yes. Okay. And so they translated it, shining one is Lucifer, which actually has correlation to the early morning star of Venus that rises in the sky. And Venus and Lucifer also have a meaning together. Yes. Okay. But Lucifer has this sense of phosphorus and shining light. Okay. But it's a clear reference when you think of what Jesus said in the Gospels. He, when he sent out the disciples and they came back and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens. And 
Of course, we know that the working to say, I'm going to rise up higher than God, this was what the serpent in the garden tempted Eve with. Right. You can be like God. You know, you're not, you're not good enough. You can be like God. And then we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Corinthians that he says Satan masquerades as an angel of what? Light. Yeah. Light. So there's a double reference going on here to a human wicked king mm -hmm. and a spirit being, both of them aspiring to be greater than the Lord who, like you said, created them <laughs> to begin with. Wow. And Satan makes this prideful attempt at his own, you know, to exalt himself. When you reread that, he says, I will five times. I will ascend. I will exalt. You know, I will, I will become greater than you above the heights of the clouds. And I thank God that God gave him <laughs> the outcome. But you shall be brought down to hell. Yeah. And so we know that, I think about that proverb that says, that warns us that pride in our heart, because this was his fatal flaw, pride yeah. in his heart, to want to ascend higher, think that he can be greater than God. Pride goes before destruction, haughty, a haughty spirit before a fall. Yeah. And so pride turned this beautiful angel into a devil. Yeah. And so here's the other part. Turn to Ezekiel 28. We told you you're going to be looking around a lot. This keep, is, these keep, are going, great, yeah. keep going forward towards the New Testament these, in your Bible. These are great scriptures to understand. Yeah. You know, we're talking about 1 Peter 3, verse 19. Yeah. But it's going to help us understand these spirits in prison. Ezekiel 28, like I said, Isaiah, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 are the two passages that really give us some understanding of Satan's be beginnings, if you will, as and far his, as his and fall. His fall. Yeah. yeah. But Ezekiel 28, here again you have a double reference, again, Correct. to an earthly evil leader and to Satan. I mean, Ezekiel 28 talks about uh, the evil ruler of Tyre, which was, a, which was a real person. But then it begins, as you read this, it begins to portray him in terms that couldn't be used of somebody human. It uses words like perfection and anointed cherub. And you were in the garden of God. Yeah, <laughs> blameless in all your ways. That's it was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking about a human person here. Come on now. So if, you, if you're in Ezekiel 28, start with verse 13. And even this, it says... Are you, you guys there? Okay. All right, you following along? This is really important. Ezekiel 28, verse 13, it says, You were where? In Eden. Mm. The garden of God. And every precious stone was your covering, the carnelian, topaz, jasper, chrysolite, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle, and emerald in sockets and settings of gold. Oh, this magnificent. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Mm. Now, timbrels and pipes, that's used in some of the translations, and actually it's in the original Hebrew, Hebrew yep. are references to musical uh, instruments, timbrels, like tambourine, pipes, you know, things that uh, music would flow through. You have flutes, you have organs, you know, we, they have pipes in them. Yeah. This is why it's believed that Lucifer had a significant role in, in the worship of heaven before God, exalting God. 
right. in all of his glory through worship, through having all of heaven worship him. And he must have been, with this description, like spectacularly yes. beautiful. Absolutely. Covered with all of these gems and jewels and sockets of gold. And then worship coming out of him. Very beautiful, powerful angel. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub that covers, and I set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. There you go. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity and guilt were found in you. This is where I believe free will, God creates us with free will. Yep. And in his free will, he allowed pride to corrupt him through the abundance of your commerce you were filled with lawlessness and violence and you sinned therefore I cast you out as profane thing from the mountain of God and the guardian cherub drove you out from the midst of the stones of fire your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor so he chose wow pride he chose his own glory and he and, and instead of the wisdom of god like to remember you were created by the almighty one so he corrupted his wisdom for the sake of his own splendor and i cast you to the ground i lay you before kings that they might gaze at you and so lucifer had one fatal flaw and it was pride it caused his fall and now he's referred to Satan when we read, yeah. when we read words about him now, or the devil, right. which means slanderer. Uh, accuser of the brethren. He's I mean, somebody, a slanderer is somebody who purposely accuses someone falsely. You slander their name, you slander their character, slander their reputation, mm -hmm. right? Makes you question them. If they tell you something about them, puts them in a bad light. And this is his greatest influence in the world. This is what he does to you and me to influence your thought life. This is not true. This is, you are not the righteousness of God. You are not a new creation. You are your old self. You are, you know, you cannot find security in him. You never know. <laughs> All the things that he tells us, that's what he's doing. He's accusing really the character Amen. of God, yes. and he's bringing it to our mind to go, and so that it's slandering God, but in our heart, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if this is true, and that's what he wants. Yeah. Doubt and deceive, to deceive you and me. Slander him in your mind so you don't trust him, and then you turn away from him. You resist him. Yes. You go against righteousness. You go against truth, and he has a big smile on his face when you do that. See, this is his work in the earth. The Satan and the devil are not bound. He's permitted to roam in the lower heavenlies. That's right. Along with demons. And look, we see his influence everywhere. The lawlessness that you see in the earth now is yep. coming from his thought processes. This is his mode of operation. He will influence the minds of people. This is why we cannot say enough over and over, renew your mind yes, right. to truth. This it'll is, save your life. Um, you know, um, it'll he, save your life. Ephesians 2, when you read Ephesians 2, it calls him the, 
prince of the power of the air. <laughs> you think about it, thoughts, air. Yeah. And so when Satan fell through pride, we also have other scriptures that tell us he took a third. He influenced a third of the, that angelic host to fall with him and rebel with him. Yeah. We, you know, so, we, we said all this because it helps you to get a little background about Satan and fallen angels. It, it's, it helps you to understand better Genesis chapter 6, which yeah. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 6. All this ties together very neatly. And the key is, is that we, the Bible says, my, God was speaking, and he says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly what you see all the time. Yeah. People falling away. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. You find out they haven't read the Bible for over yeah. a year. Yeah. Whose influence is that, can I ask? <clears throat> Who's Satan's influence. And I think the church, the church, statistics have said that over half the church doesn't even believe in the working of Satan. Over I mean, half. We, we shared that before. So how in the world... Can we fight a battle when you don't even know the enemy? This is why we say if you just open this book. You got to know who you are in Christ. That is the only way you'll stand. And it's vital because as you see lawlessness increasing in the earth, the devil is like going, yeah, church, stay asleep. Keep your Bible closed. Do everything else. Occupy yourself with all kinds of other pleasures. Don't pay attention to this because you never know if it's true. Hmm. He's, a, he's slandering the character of God. Right. Well, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, that we look at the... And now we understand and know that the, what the reference there, the sons of God, they're fallen angels. Yeah. They lusted after the daughters of men, took them as wives, natural women. They had sexual relations with them, and their unholy offspring is called the Nephilim. The Nephilim. There's a big study into that, but we're not going in that direction today. There's another piece of insight that we need to understand and know. It's the book of Enoch. Has anybody ever heard the book of Enoch? The book of Enoch, you must read it because it is not canonized. Do you know what that means? It's not in the Bible, but it's worthy wisdom and helps you get a bigger picture of what is actually happening on this world that we live in. It actually, it, it's, it complements the Bible. And the New Testament actually quotes the book of Enoch. The, the disciples would be uh, very knowledgeable of this because the Jews at this time, they considered a very sacred writing. The book of Enoch is... is God, if you know where Enoch is, you're in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 5 tells you about the line of Adam and how it goes down. And it goes to Methuselah after Methuselah. Then we got uh, Lamech, who is Noah's dad. Uh, But Enoch was Noah's great-grandpa, his great-grandpa. And the Bible declares that Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. God himself took Enoch in his human condition and has him in heaven with him. I fully believe that he's going to come back and he's going to be one of the witnesses in the final days. 
I say Enoch and Elijah because neither one of them died. Yeah. And it's appointed unto man once to die. That's right. And then the judgment. And well, so you know, in the book of Enoch, he calls them watchers. Okay, the watchers. These are, these these are an, yeah. angelic hosts that were to protect and guard over human mankind. But they went, these 200 of them actually went and made an oath with one another that they were going to take human wives. They knew it was wrong. They knew it was wrong and they did it anyhow. And what happened, you know, these watchers, they, they created these, uh, like I'd say it, unholy individuals called the Nephilim. And if you read the, New Te the Old Testament, there are uh, different names that they're called. Zimzum is another one. It depends on what group of people that they were explaining to. But these were evil individuals. Not only did they produce this ungodly generation of, of individuals, the Nephilim, but they also started to tell wisdom that they had from above and brought it here to the earth. Uh, they taught about incantation, magical spells. Uh, they had about, talked about certain plants yeah. and, and cutting of roots for occult and witchcraft practices. They taught them astrology. They taught them how to work with metal to make weapons. And they talked about physical adornment, about coloring your eyes, and, and that's so. Actually, if, I if mean, there's when you an, say coloring your eyes, it's kind of odd at first. I thought, what eyeshadow? Like what eyeshadow have to do with it? But the use of makeup to to do you see this in religious ceremonies. This mm -hmm. was something that invited sexual attraction. Yeah, and there lust. Was, it was meant to facilitate yeah. lust and sexual sin, and also just invite more demonic. Uh, you, you read about Jezebel, Jehu was going to, yeah. he's overthrowing that, that king at that time, and the Bible declares that Jezebel then painted her eyes. It's, it was a demonic trying to uh, entice Jehu to come and have sexual relations with her. The spirit of Jezebel is, is actually running this country right now, to tell you the truth. You know, and Baal worship is major here. It's, these are what's happening right now. What you need to do is understand these things so that you know how to fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. Now, Jezebel, sexual immorality. We had a government official said the hope for America is transgenderism. That was Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi. And then you see all that sexual perversion is happening in this country. That's the Jezebel spirit. And then the worship of Baal. Baal demands innocent blood. What do you think the abortion is? Come on. Let's don't be stupid. Let's open our eyes to what's really happening here. You and I are in a spiritual battle. We don't understand these things. You're going to be deceived. If you're not in this word and you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know the weapons and how to use them, you're deceived already. I'm glad you're here today because you know what? God is opening your mind. He's opening your eyes to see some things today so that you can understand the times we live in. Because at the end of the age, Jesus says, it'll be like in Noah's day. We're yeah. in that. Yeah. You know, it, it goes back to, it, that's what caused the world to be full of wickedness. 
God became so grieved because man has sinned and he brought the flood. But he also saved Noah and eight people in that entire thing. They came from a godly line. They weren't mixed blood. Mixed blood, and I'm not talking about uh, different ethnicities. I'm talking about evil that came from this unholy relation from the fallen angels. And, yeah, and it is debauchery. It's, it's insane. It, it, these so these the are the angels. I'm <laughs> getting to it. I just yeah. want to help you so much. <laughs> I, I am. I want your eyes to be so open because, you know, people in Christian churches are falling like flies because they don't know things. I don't want that to happen to anyone in here. And if you're watching, I don't want that to happen to you either. But it's going to take effort on your part. I can't give you what I have. I wish I could. You have to obtain it. But, uh, you know, this, this, this ungodly line. But these were the angels. You said that these first, are yeah. the angels that are in prison. These are the watchers that are in prison. Now, <laughs> the book of Jude, it's right before Revelation. The book of Jude has one chapter, the book of Jude. We're getting there, guys. This is so important, though. And we're going to look at verse 6. That's right before Revelation. Right yeah. before Revelation, yeah. Just got yeah, one chapter. Jude was Jesus' brother, stepbrother. Stepbrother. Okay, the book of James was written by Jesus' stepbrother also. Verse 6. We there? Okay. Listen what he says. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept an eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the day, of that great day. These, I believe, without a doubt, are the spirits that Peter is talking about in verse 18. Yeah, gloomy darkness sounds like a prison. It is a prison. <laughs> you know, this, it's, this is why you have to herald the good news, because men and women are going to hell every moment. So we have to do what we can. Cry out to God Tell him to fill your mouth so you can speak the truth to somebody yeah. in love. And it's all to save their life, yeah. their eternity. 1 Peter 3, 18 and 20. I'm going to go back there. Yeah, you're right near there. 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 and 20. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, because they, did not, they, they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited 
In the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, who were brought safely through the water. It says he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, Scripture does not tell us exactly what he preached. But I have a good idea what he preached. I really do. Because right now he preached their judgment and their condemnation forever. It says he is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. Why do I have confidence in this? Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus went and preached and told them they're condemned forever. Eternal torment, eternal suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Are you getting something out of this, guys? Yes. Because this is really important for us to understand these things. Extremely important. That's why we have to live out the gospel. We have to live out the truth that's found in this book. You have to live it. You can't just claim it. You have to live it. Hebrews 2.16 For as we all know, He, Christ, does not take hold of the fallen angels to give them a helping hand, but He does take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham extending to them his hand of deliverance. Praise the Lord. He went and condemned those spirits. The watchers have been condemned. Yes. Satan has already been judged. All the fallen angels know where they're going to go. Yes, they do. And they are wreaking havoc right now because time is almost over for the human race as we know it. Yeah. That's why you and I have to know these things. We can't play church anymore. Right. Those days are long gone. And if you're playing church, you're going to stand before Christ and he's going to say, I don't even know you. I want everybody here to be born of God's spirit. I want everybody here to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We want everyone here to seek his face, to know him, because to know him is eternal life. Okay, so, <laughs> let's go. I know you're getting full of stuff here. We're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah, we're almost finished. Um, this is on PowerPoint. This is verse 21 from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're back to, you know, our 1 Peter chapter. Uh, as Pastor Steve was just reading there about what happened in the days of Noah. They were brought safely through water. Eight people. Only eight people. Out of the whole world, yeah. God gave everybody, there was a long time, patience for people to come. And so then it goes on in verse 21. We want to clear this up, It too. says baptism, which corresponds to this, and that's kind of, it's referring to what happened in the flood and the water. It says, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God, for a good conscience Here through the is. resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's also controversy about this. Because some will say, see, you must, it's water baptism that saves you. Because of the wording in all the translations, basically, mm -hmm. you go along that line. And at first glance, it might seem like the Apostle Peter is saying that. 
The water baptism is the way to salvation. But the New Testament, see, this is where you let Scripture interpret Scripture. The New Testament repeatedly, clearly teaches that salvation and eternal life do not come from any outward work. That's right. But, the, but it's a matter of God's grace working in a person's heart. It's by grace through faith that yes. you are saved and not of works, not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Okay. So we have to look at that and go, well, wait a second. Peter knew this. He understood this, that Jesus preached this. I mean, there are several scriptures that point this out. Like I think of Romans 10 where it says, if I can, 10, 9, and 10, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead, you know, you, yeah, you'll be saved. It's with the heart that man believes and is justified and made righteous. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the the thief on the cross, when he repented and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have to get off the cross, get baptized, and say, okay, now you can go to heaven, right? So baptism, (laughs) water baptism, does not save us. You got that clear? Everybody understand this. Anyone, it says, who calls upon the name of the Lord, calls, shall be saved. You know, however, Peter also understood the command by Jesus before he ascended back into heaven, he right. said, go, go. And, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it was a command that after you, make, you, you be, the beginning of making a disciple is, of course, salvation. Someone yes. surrenders their life to the Lord, and then they should pretty much immediately be baptized. It, we, we take a long time in this church because we don't have a baptismal. Well, we are doing a baptism here in a couple of weeks. And if you have not been water baptized. Simply obey. And is, this is water baptism by full immersion. We understand there are church denominations that preach baby sprinkling as though that is going to save them. But there's nothing in the Bible. You go look in the Bible and find out where they ever sprinkled a baby Never. To be saved or water, ba- to say this is water baptism. Where's their confession of faith? I've never seen a, you know, two-month-old say, I trust in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> and they really, you know, it didn't hurt the baby, you know, sprinkling with water. There's no harm in it. The harm Yes. is the belief behind it. Yes. Many people believe that if my baby was water baptized, then they're going to heaven. And that's a false doctrine. It's a lie. It's a lie. And so that baby could live however they want to live, and that parents could think, I baptized them as a child. They're okay. They're not okay. Because you have to come to this place of understanding sin your rebellion against God, and your need. Salvation is not just about a gift received. The, the gift is received because you recognize deep in your heart Come on now. you've sinned against God. And that takes a revelation. That takes, that takes a grace from God even to understand That's that. That's true. And so sprinkling a baby does not save them. But our baptism, <clears throat> what baptism does is when you go under the water, you're identifying with Christ who died. And then he rose again from the dead. So you're saying, 
I died with Christ, like I'm saying goodbye to my old life. I'm dead, and I'm becoming a new creation. When I rise up out of the water, yep. I rise up in resurrection life with him. So it's an outward expression. This is you People go, well, why do I need to be water baptized? Well, for one thing, Jesus commanded it that's, to do. That should be enough. Yeah. And we have to make a, we should make a public declaration. It does something to bolster your own faith. Truth. And this is what I believe it means when it says here that your conscience, it, it, it's, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience. In other words, I know, I mean, these people, when Peter was writing this, these people were dying as martyrs. Yes. You know, the, He's they, writing to people that were being tortured and killed. Yeah. And so there, he was saying, your baptism you know, means something to you. It identifies you as, I am fully yours, Lord. And it said something to the public, too, like, uh, my life is not my own. And so, it, it went, and then I believe, too, that just like what uh, Jason was saying in the hosting, when you are water baptized, you do this in faith. Yes. You are empowered. The Holy Spirit will empower you through that to live a life for God. But we, have, we must believe these things by faith. We don't do it just like a ritual. Okay, dunk me in the water and, and it's over. No. You live we, it. We are doing something spiritual. And there's observation in the spirit to it. The spirit world does see it. Yes, they do. It and makes so a huge it's difference. It's telling the spirit world, I am a believer. I have resurrection life in me. And I'm going to live for God Come by the on. grace of God. And then verse 22 tells us this. It says, this tells us, of course, of Jesus' supreme authority. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we are in his body. I mean, that's another whole beautiful thing. 1 Peter 3.22, though, says this. Who, meaning Jesus, has gone into heaven now after all this and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. That's right. So there are the, the, the fallen angels that are in prison are awaiting final judgment. Oh, yeah, they're getting they, oh. they're, they're gonna, they haven't gotten the half of it yet. No. And there are still fallen. This is what we have to remember now, though. There are, there, the devil is still roaming about like a lion. Roaming, seeking, seeking he whom devour. he may devour. We're going to look at that scripture as we get to 1 Peter chapter 5. Yeah. And demons, fallen spirits. You know, they're, they're very active. They're very active, working in the minds of people. And I just think of our nation. Like the other day, I heard our president, was after the overturn of Roe versus Wade, and he stood there and, and his vice president, Kamala Harris, next to him, and just made this statement. He said, I'm going to do everything in my power to, by executive order to protect a woman's right to have any abortion that they want. And he said it with such, such sincerity. You know, I, I want abortions to go on continued unhindered. And I sat there, I, it kind of in shock. And like in somewhere deep in my heart, I thought this man literally cursed himself. Yeah. He has sealed his doom. I, I do believe that. Yeah, fully. I do believe. And I have actually heard since like prophetic voices, people that have had a very strong track record. Yeah, in their prophecies saying this very thing that both President Biden and Putin will pass. Will both be eliminated from office. And 
And, you know, I remember when I heard it and I thought, you know, you take all these, you just put them in your heart, you think about them and you, you, because it's a big statement. And he made it on YouTube. He has, you know, this is through Morningstar Ministries, Chris Reed. But when I heard the president say that and stand there so sincerely and I thought, you do not understand what you just did. You just cursed yourself and doomed yourself. I, there are times, you know, I do believe that God's mercy runs out. And it stops. And judgment falls. Yep. And so I, I, I think in the meantime, though, yeah. But, well, he, we, he, we can pray for them. But I think what we must remember is there are, there are moments where you've, the mercy runs out and people don't, people don't respond. It is so true. And believers, you know, the more that we walk against the things of God, what we don't realize is we harden our hearts. Yeah. And this is the Pharaoh thing. It's like God will permit the hardening of the heart to do his will. And we have to realize that every time I keep resisting God, resisting, 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 I'm not just doing something in the natural. There's a spiritual element going on in you're this. You're searing your conscience. Yeah. And, and your so we conscience must, is the voice of your yeah. spirit. So it's so important we keep our heart tender towards God. We desire to be obedient to yes. God. We read the word, and of course we're not going to understand everything, but we come like a child and we say, help me, Lord, I want to understand your word. I do want to obey you. That's right. That is our key because we have been given, we can thank God believers have been given authority in Christ to deal with demons and fallen angels that want to afflict us. Right. We don't have any need to fear him. Nothing. Not if we're standing and abiding in Christ and in his authority, we understand it's not my authority, it's his authority operating through me. And scripture has given us wisdom. It's given us insight into the devil's ways. Like, how does he operate? What are his schemes? Well, we should know them. Do you know them? Are you learning them? This is a really important thing for the church to begin to realize, I need, I need to know my weapons. I need to be sure I'm standing on the right side in the yeah. strength of God and not deceived in my mind. That's right, because we're going to need these things in the days ahead. Yes. And in some ways, that makes it exciting, because I think, wow, Lord, this is, gonna, this is a real spiritual battle. Yes. That you have not left us unarmored. We have the armor of Christ to use. It's but a battle problem, for sure. Yeah. But I guess the final thought here, you know, have you, made your, have you ever made a confession of faith for salvation in Christ? You're sitting here this morning or maybe just listening online. Have you made a sincere confession of faith to know Jesus? Believe in your heart what he did for you. Why did he come? This is, this is one of the, this is the beginning. And then, do you, then after, maybe some of you would say, yes, yes, I did that. I asked him in my heart to forgive me of my sin. But are you living for him? That's it. When people look at your life, would they, would they, could they find enough evidence that you're a Christian? <laughs> but they go, I know you're a follower of Jesus. I can tell by the way you live. 
This, these are important things. And this is why First Peter, Peter was writing these things to the church to help them understand, like your baptism means something to the world. It means something to God. It means that I'll, I'll go to the end. Yes. If I have to be martyred, I'll live. I'll still live, yeah, because you don't actually die. You just enter, you just, resurrection life just takes you into the new realm. And so is there anybody in here who wants to make a confession of faith in Jesus? You know, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Listening to a message like this doesn't make you a Christian. It's established on something very personal that goes on in your heart when you yes. recognize, I am a sinner. And I've resisted you, Lord, the creator of the universe, the creator of my own life. So if anybody in here wants to give their life to Christ, for God so loved the world, this is why he came, so you don't have to go to the with the spirits in prison it's a real place and it's for eternity is there anybody in here who needs to make that confession of faith in Christ who wants to you know we talked about living out the gospel living it out you might have confessed Jesus as your Lord but are you really living out the gospel are you living out the truth that you know so help us Lord if that's you, I, I'm, I'm asking you, you know what? You need to repent before God and change and ask Him for the power to walk in the light as He's in the light. He says, be ye holy as I'm holy. That sounds impossible, doesn't it? No, but the Bible says, greater is He who's in you than He who's in the world. The Spirit of Jesus actually lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't hook up with things that are will be embarrassing when you stand before Christ because everybody will times are short you don't have time to think about it you have the time now to do it Jesus we ask you father by the power of your spirit to help your church Lord rise up and become you made her to be yes a warrior i pray you put a warrior spirit inside of your church lord awaken your church to righteousness to truth to the authority that you've given us to use lord i pray that we go from this place as salt and light that our lives lord reflect the honor of your glory yes lord help us father we bow in our heart to you jesus we thank you for what you've done for us Thank you for protecting us and rescuing us from the deadness of our sin. But Lord, I just pray that we live a life that gives you glory, that says thank you for what you've done for us, but that we give ourselves completely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.